This is Talk of the Town, where interesting people talk and London listens. And on this Wednesday edition at 10.30, the halfway point, the exact halfway point of the week, we present left, right, and center, and today... I will be on the far, far mm, left. Now I'm going to be in the right. Ah, who knows? I'll be in the center today. Uh, Jim Reed and Bob Metz. Now, Jim, we've never met before, but have you been on the program before? Yes. Okay, and Bob's been on the program before, mm-hmm. but have the two of you ever been on the program yes, before? Yes, we have. A number oh. of times. All right. T- really? Yep. Yep. Oh, all right, then. I was given false... This show goes back many years. I know. know. (laughs) Back before I was a twinkle in someone's eye, this this show goes back, and then... Okay, so I was given the wrong impression. I thought you two had never combined, never combusted, and I I was just going to see a grand experiment in motion here. Well, well you may. We may be different people today than we were oh, last really? time. You never know. Oh, well, all right then. Bob Metz <laughs> taking the side of the Communist Party of Canada and the extreme left. The NDP is a dangerous right-wing yeah. organization, according to Bob. Uh, first of all, uh, Jim, you're a member of the New Democrat Party, and I just want to say uh, I was intrigued yesterday. I, I'm not necessarily uh, a big fan of the Democrat Party, and, and I've been critical in the past of them, but I thought yesterday... Um, they're bringing their attention to the issue of the uh, increased fee for the seniors in the long-term uh, care facilities with the rock-in. Uh, I thought was uh, an inventive and uh, effective way to bring uh, attention to, I thought, uh, a policy that was uh, poorly implemented. I, I couldn't agree more. I, one of the problems that we see here is is how the, the policy in, uh, was implemented by the Tories. They snuck it through uh, the day before the July 1st long weekend. Uh, it wasn't introduced in the legislature. Uh, there was, there was uh, memorandums going out to the various nursing homes, and uh, uh, they, they just tr- they, I believe that they tried to get it while the media was sleeping and, and to, to slide it through. Um, this is an issue that I think is going to going to have legs. I think that uh, both the seniors com- community and and also the the, the folks that uh, uh, you know the dependent children are are, are going to remember uh, this when it comes election time. My sense of this is that the Tories have dug themselves a hole, and I think they're going to end up having to backtrack, and I don't know how they're going to do this, uh, whether they, they gear the increase back to the rate of inflation or, or what, but I think there's, uh, there, there's definitely got to be some movement here. Now, the, the increase previously, now it's a 15% increase to a maximum of $200, I believe, but what was the increase before? Just the cost of living, or they indexed it to inflation? Uh, pretty pretty much that that's how it. Uh, I believe the last increase was uh, was two percent. Okay. Um, and I'm just trying to think. I th- I did the calculation earlier. And it was sixty thousand seniors affected, and I think at a maximum, two hundred dollars a month, twelve months, and so that would raise one hundred and forty four million dollars. The, the government's expecting to raise about fifty million dollars in revenue. Uh, okay, for so this. the maximum was one hundred forty four. So and, now we're and, looking and at fifty the fa- million. The, the false part of this is that the government uh, is that the Ontario government is is saying that well, this is going to uh, create more more nursing, uh, more or more more nursing care for seniors and okay. in homes, uh, and and free up more funding. But the funding that they've annu- they've they had announced they they didn't annou- announce the funding for for uh, for more. Um, uh, nursing care in the seniors' homes almost a year and a half ago. This is an this this is a the, the same old Mike Harris strategy. Announce the same funding uh, uh, and, and announce reannounce the same spending uh, three times, 
and and not release the money. And now what they're doing is they're wanting to to pay for the the increased nursing costs on the backs of the most vulnerable people, and the, and on the backs of people that they know, in all likelihood, won't be able to get out to the polls. But I'm I'm going to tell you I, the the response that I've been getting. Uh, we have a large retirees chapter in, in local 27. The re- response that we've been hearing. Uh, is is big. Uh, we've we've had people lobbying uh, MPPs uh, and talking to and talking to this the constituency offices of, of some of the local MPPs. Uh, this this is a hot issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's something that's that's going to I, I believe uh, strike a chord with with a lot of a lot of people in the province, and it's going to be something that's going to I think uh, uh, bite the bite the Tories in the butt when it comes election time. Bob, any thoughts on uh, on this issue? Well, I don't think it matters whether it's the Tories, the Liberals, or the NDP. The same thing would have been happening. Okay. I mean, the changes that are happening in education today were mm-hmm. started by the NDP, not by the Tories. Uh, they just carried on the plan. The same things that are happening with the senior citizen. It's it's necessity that isn't demanding this, and all the political promises in the world will not change that. And I'd like it to be different. I mean, it would be nice if we could make money out of nothing and tax the populace to the hilt and pay for all everything we want. But the world doesn't work that way, and this is the lesson we're learning. That's why people are always in these quandaries wherever the government is running anything. It doesn't work properly because the inefficiencies are probably well over 50%, maybe close to 90 So you could save a lot of money if we went back to a private system for people who could pay for themselves, and that government should only be in the business as a last resort of helping those people who cannot help themselves and giving those people most of the choice of where the money should be spent. Because as soon as the government starts taking over the spending, I mean, he who pays the piper calls the tune. They're going to tell you what nursing home to go to, what doctor you can have, where doctors can practice, where, you know, it's going to keep getting worse and worse the more we keep asking government to do these things for us. So it, it, it's a basic <laughs> dead end as far as I see. I, I, there's no solution within the box we've put ourselves in. Do you think they're going to rescind? Going back, do you think they're going to rescind the raise? And say, you it's know, what possibly for for for, for a political gain. I, okay. I, I mean, but that's not going to help the seniors in the long run. It's still they're still going to be up against the same problem. You know, the more government spending we have, and it doesn't matter what service you're talking about. And I can understand seniors being upset and seniors being promised one thing and the promise being pulled back. And that's the nature of government. Government doesn't make promises. There's no contract. Even the health care that it promises you is not a contract. Tomorrow they can change all the rules. They can take heart operations out of the hip if they wanted to, and you couldn't say a thing. So other other than running to the polls, eh? So that's that's basically the issue. You don't have that security there. You're always hoping that the government will do the right thing, and the government keeps taxing us more, and taxes keep going up. Whether or not the rate goes down, the government's still collecting more money than it did before. And that's got to stop somewhere. I mean, what's the ultimate ceiling? Where are we going with all of this? You know, when you talk about vulnerable people, what about the taxpayer, the, all the marginal businesses that, that are going under? And, and, and I mean, it just reverberates throughout the whole economy. And if you can't attract investment and business into the province or country, you're not going to have the money to even tax, even if you have those kind of ideas. I mean, all socialism is parasitism on capitalism. There's no such thing as socialist productivity. You have to first have a pr- productive system. Socialism then comes in and takes from the productive and, and, and distributes to other areas. 
Jim? But, but our problem is is that we've had a provincial government that's been re- redistributing the wealth to the most uh, well-off in our society I for agree. the last, uh, uh, for for last uh, six years. Uh, with with tax cuts, I mean, if we can afford if no. we can afford the enormous tax cuts that that benefit the the, the top five uh, percent of our population, and we can't afford to look after our most vulnerable seniors, there's something wrong in our society. Bob, you also mentioned that. Uh, um, I think what you don't understand is that the ability to pay and and uh, with 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 seniors in long term care it is a two tier system. There are there are uh, seniors facilities that are that are set up unlike the hospitals that are that if you have the money you can you can pay for whatever. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm uh, aware of light, that. I don't see how that changes anything. Or, or, or quality of care that you want. Uh, here, here we've here we've got a government with with uh, what is it a, a, a sixty five billion dollar budget and they're 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 going after fifty mil fifty million dollars in revenue uh, from some of the most some of the most uh, vulnerable people people that have paid their taxes people that have done their fair share to build the the economy to build the province and now they have to come back with it and 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 and. Uh, uh, either either they have to to apply for for assistance and and a lot of seniors uh, have don't want to apply for assistance if they're under twenty thousand dollars. You know, there, there, there's, I, I, there's a, I empathize with your comment when you say that you know these are people who have paid their taxes, but the problem is those taxes were never put into an account for them for safekeeping and trusteeship or anything like that. They were spent on the day they were taken. There is no fund sitting there waiting for them like you would have had if you were paying into a private system where the money has to accumulate, and then it's there for you regardless of what happens. Right now, what we have to depend upon is that the government takes more money from other people in society to pay for these people, and that's going to continue a cycle. It's a pyramid scheme. The guy who's at the end of it, the guy who's 20 or 30 today, is not going to have anything close to any of these benefits when he reaches the age of our current seniors. Okay, I just want to switch focus for a second. Mm -hmm. Uh, John Manley and the federal government is going to announce, I think they're going to have uh, an October budget, and they're going to announce a $7 billion surplus. Mm-hmm. And this this has been uh, a series of surpluses under Paul Martin uh, that started under Paul Martin, and now that he's been uh, canned, John Manley's continuing it, that we have a surplus. And the provinces are asking and saying that because, essentially the surplus has come about because you've cut transfers to the provinces, that you've cut transfers, that that maybe now is the time to reinvest in health care, that if we look proportionally, Ontario should get a third of X amount of dollars, we have a third of the people, and then we'll go down the lines. My question is, though, I want you to think about this, we'll take a break and we'll come back. Should the government, I know your position on taxes, but shouldn't the governments that are responsible for the programs be responsible for the taxes? That we get health care. Ideally, yeah. Mm-hmm. We get health care in Ontario. That I should pay, that Ontario should tax me according to what they think the health care system should be. Let's just look at the reality. Well, that's the way it was supposed to be. Okay, the federal government should never have been in the okay. health care business. The and they, government they have no constitutional right to be okay, there. Okay, but they collect taxes on a, on a, on, they collect the majority of taxes in Canada and they distribute it to the provinces. And I understand their comment that, well, we want to make sure that equitable health care is available in Nova Scotia, as it is in Newfoundland, as it is in Ontario and Alberta. That the healthcare dollars that you, the tax dollars that you and I are putting in, should maybe the, we should transfer the tax points. That if I'm paying taxes in Ontario and Ontario's won't solve it, won't solve the thing. Cannot, I, cannot. Okay, solve it. let's take a break and we'll come back and maybe look at that. Jim Reed and Bob Metz join me in studio, and I was just presenting the uh, 
the, uh, I guess, the problem before the break, and I just wanted uh, you gentlemen time to think of it because I know you'll come up with a much more uh, cogent and uh, wise answer than I can come up with. But uh, $7 billion surplus is going to come down according to uh, some of the provincial premiers, and they want it to go to health care. And my question is, shouldn't the taxes I pay go to the place where it's going to pay for my services? Instead of paying... $10,000 to the government of Canada, and then they transfer back $8,000 to the province, who then transferred it to health care and education and, and so on. Well, Shouldn't with all I that transferring back and forth and collecting from one Peter to pay one Paul and collecting from a Paul to pay a Peter, that money gets handed around a lot. Why don't you just pay your doctor directly? And if you can't afford to, then the government can help you directly. The government shouldn't be running the doctor system. It should be helping the people who can't help themselves. This is a total misconcept of how to run a, even a welfare state, which I don't support. But if I were to run one, I sure wouldn't run it the way they're doing it now. You don't pour billions of dollars into the services themselves. Suppose you, Tom McConnell, cannot afford uh, an operation in a hospital. So I'm a politician, and I come to you, huh, well, instead of giving you the money to help you afford the operation, maybe you can afford 50% of it, and we only have to give you the other 50% or something like that. No, we figure we're not going to help you. We're going to take over the whole medical system. We're going to help everybody. You know, so that all of a sudden everybody's in the safety net. There is no safety net. We're all inside it. There's nobody holding it up. The idea of health insurance was to protect against financial loss in the event of a catastrophic illness, something that's very expensive, something that's... Heart attack. Heart attack, uh, anything like that. Not for day-to-day -day doctor care, not for going into your family physician, not for all that stuff. When you waste billions and billions on that end of the health care system, you start losing it where you need it. And that, to me, is one of the big tragedies of how we approach all government financing. We don't need to have a government running via rail because some people can't afford to take the train. Help the people who can't afford to take the train. Give them the money. Why can't we do it that way and leave the businesses alone so that they compete, their prices fall, you know, because of competition, and everybody benefits, and you're still helping the poor. Jim, look, you, you, look you're at, shaking your head. Look at the example. You were agreeing of, of earlier. The United States. Okay. Look at the example of the United States where you've got the, the two-tier Medicare system that Bob describes. It is the most inef the the private sector is the most inefficient service provider for medical services out there. I, I mean, don't know the, how you the can the cost, say that. I, the, my the, experience the down there with it is totally the opposite of that. You're, you're, in, you're in and out of the hospital in ten minutes. Where could you afford you'd be waiting the service? For weeks. Could hmm? you afford the service? It wasn't a problem. They accept anybody's insurance. It wasn't expensive. I mean, but yeah, you had insurance. The service, I, was, I wasn't there for a heart attack. No, no, no. Okay. Well, okay. Look, look what's happening. Perfect example. Look what's happening in pharmacare in the, in the United States. I watched a report in, uh, on the Mi one of the Michigan news stations, where the, where the the price of, of drugs for, for uh, uh, say um, um, uh, Zoloft or Xanax or something like something about seven dollars a, a, a for for a prescription. Pharmacists were charging upwards of 150, 200 dollars to fill the, to fill the prescription because it's totally in the private sector, and and it's 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 this type of thing that we see if we have the if we have the government basically what Bob say, Bob's oh, saying yeah. is if the government if you can't afford to pay for it the government's going to step in and pay the rest what we'll, we'll end up with is is private sector corporations gouging the government because they know that they're going to get their money from the government so they're going to up the ante and they're going to up the price but that's the 100% system it's, it's, we have now we now have private doctors private teachers we don't call them that because they're under the government aegis but the government's still paying them and they're still milking us dry you know you look at the school board school boards should be shut down and closed. They're, they're antiquated things from two centuries ago. Get rid of these things. Who would run the schools? 
the schools would run themselves. The so teachers and the principals, and then you choose the school you want to send your kids to, and if you can afford it, you can, and if you can't, the government will help you. Yeah. Point finale. Done. No problem. No two tiers. You can go to any school you want. Yeah. You can go to the best schools, but you're going to pay for it in the end through your taxes. And, and your we, taxes. And we will pay for it as a society because what we'll end up with, with is a ghettoization of, of, of the education system. We'll, we'll end up with fu- further polarities and disparity between between uh, wealth and income. Our whole education system is a ghetto system right now. <laughs> I wouldn't. I took my kid out of that system as fast as I could. For the minute she was old enough to get out of there, but you know, get out of this school system, learn something. Uh, you know, the education system is a much highly overtouted system as far as education is concerned. It's a nice babysitting system. But I'll tell you, most of the stuff I learned in, in school was false, not only inaccurate, but false. You know, I learned so many things that just weren't so. And so you have to ask yourself, well, what was that education worth? The things that I think that are worth something in education are skills that you can use to survive. Reading, writing, arithmetic. You should know some about economics. You should understand accounting. My God, that should be a basic, because then, then politicians couldn't say anything, couldn't get away with anything that they're saying today if people just understood debit and credit, you know? And but we but they don't. I almost think I've, I've believed this for a long time that the education system largely exists to keep us from knowing certain things, to keep certain things and certain ideas monopolized. Like I, I, I shouldn't I, have I, standards. We're going, we're going into a different different but, topic well, here. I'm just saying that any time you get the I, I government mean, I, running, I, I might it, have you got s- a political agenda. Might, you don't have a marketplace agenda. I might have some some agreement with you on on that as far as what uh, what's in the curriculum, especially the the corporate corporatization of of the school curriculum these days, uh, the promotion of of corporate values rather well, than collective values ex- in, 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 in the education system. A corporate value is the opposite of a collective value? A corporation is a collective. A cor- I don't know what you're talking about. A corporation is a voluntary collective, <laughs> whereas the collective you're talking about, government, is a forced collective. And that was a point I wanted to get into. Whenever you have forced transactions, there's a loser in it. Plain and simple. When you have a market transaction, there are no losers. There's always two winners, because th- otherwise the transaction wouldn't take place if, it were, if, if it's voluntary. If you have something to sell me, and I have... Say you've got a newspaper you want to sell me, and I've got a dollar, and the price of the newspaper is a dollar. I wouldn't give you that dollar for the newspaper if I didn't consider at that moment in time that newspaper worth more to me than the dollar. But in order you to maintain give me a civil society, we have to look reverse. at what's, what, what benefits the, the, the majority, what, what benefits the common good, not what benefits those who are, who are at the top of the, uh, of the economic food chain that, 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 can, that can survive the, 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 the most. I'm not I worried mean, about what, the guy at the top of the economic food chain. I am one of the guys at the bottom of the economic food chain. So I know that taxes are the biggest obstacle in my life and you and guys like you are always advocating more and more and more i i don't i don't you know? begr- I, and 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 i pay quite a bit of tax myself bob but i don't begrudge paying my taxes when i see the services that that we have i i you know i work uh in our local union we represent workers in in both our, the major health care facilities in london i know the work that these folks do i know what my tax dollars are being spent on and 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 i appreciate and i and i appreciate what the services that that this that the government provides. I wouldn't want to live in the United States. I wouldn't want to have to to uh, to fight for for well, for medica- medical services. Uh, I I I, I, just I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be I think that's pure an propaganda. HMO. I don't see that happening anywhere. I've never you know I've had relatives in the states who moved there from other countries. You know from the Caribbean, from other places. They walked into any hospital. They got health care free anywhere they want. Now the fact that there are private hospitals down in the states. 
um, like Mount Sinai in Miami or something like that, which is well-renowned for its heart surgery and stuff, because I happen to have relatives that went there. Even there, you know, open-heart surgery was $25,000, $30,000, you know, if you paid it directly. And that may sound like a lot, but to save somebody's life, that's not a lot of money. And the thing that's driving it up, and, you know, you're right, whenever you have any sort of insurance agency, whether it's government or private, you're going to have whoever's receiving money from that insurance agency trying to gouge them. I mean, it's just as simple but as that. But getting back to the basic care for, for, for the patients that need it, who's going to benefit most by the scheme that you, you, you're you promoting? The people who need it and, most. And, we and, have Marlo Lethem in the city here now who should, no, no, in, in no. this, in this system of ours, she should be at the top is, of the is, need is, list. Is the, shareholders, is the shareholders of these health care corporations, the Marriott's and the... Uh, uh, you know the, the 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 major major hospital chains that are in the United States that are chomping at the bit to come up here to Ontario to 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 uh, to a set up shop up here. What they happens? They wouldn't be wanting to shut up shop up here if, if if Ontarians didn't want them here. If we weren't willing to hand over our money, the reason Americans spend more money on health care than we do is because they're allowed to and they want to. Oh, that's that's oh yeah, that's absolutely not. So I know people in that situation. You know, they may. But we also go, look go at an extra at, mile. At, at our health care is a competitive advantage. In, and you talked earlier about attracting jobs. Our health care system is a competitive advantage to bringing jobs into this province, into this country. I've used that figure well, before. Now I know for some of the car manufacturers, I don't know how familiar you are with them. It's but about it, eight dollars an hour. It works out to about eight dollars an hour. Our OHIP system. Okay. And in fact, and, and it's because is it because that uh, if I'm a Ford and I'm operating a factory in Detroit, I have to provide as part of the collective bargaining agreement health care yeah. for my workers. Through, Where through Ford in Canada goes through a savings, go and it goes through OHIP, exactly. and therefore provides. It's a it's a huge. So they're being indirectly advantage. subsidized, which they shouldn't be. He's just calling for a corporate subsidization. Right, two minutes after he said corporations shouldn't be considered in that light. Now, he's, now a, he's saying it's, it's that we should spend money. It's a far more efficient healthcare delivery model than what we have in the United States. It's not efficient at all. I don't have a family doctor. My 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 brother brother in law and sister when they take the kids HMO. to the hospital, they have to sit in the waiting rooms for hours and hours. When we were over in the states, we were in and out in a half hour with a serious situation too. And you know, got wonderful service from everyone. The issue here is not the health care at the end of the rainbow. I'm not here to argue about doctors or nurses. I think they deserve whatever they can earn, and they should be allowed to earn. But the more we get into this socialized health care system, the more we have to turn our doctors and nurses into basically, you know, well-kept slaves, in fact, because we're going to be telling them where to work, how to work, what they can charge. I, a plumber wouldn't put up with that. Why should a doctor? Why, if we talk about with our about our healthcare with such respect and such need, why do we want to put our doctors and nurses in this cage that they can't get out of unless they leave the country? Uh, I just don't understand it. I don't see it's necessary. You know, I pay for my own dental care. I have no insurance. It, it's cheaper than insurance to pay pay as you go. You know, when I go to the chiropractor, I pay. I don't. I, you know, although the government pays a bit there, but it shouldn't because you know. And the same if I go to a, just a daily, you know, for a flu for a flu shot or for a uh, something to do with a cold. That's what most health care expenses are being used up in, is not the critical stuff. What, what, what definitely needs to happen is we have to look at the caps on, on what, uh, what family physicians can, can, can charge, uh, can charge through, shouldn't through be a the OHIP, OHIP system. Uh, what would be, especially in light of the fact that we have, we have a, a serious doctor shortage. In, in, in London, we have, we what, have that a just shortage happened by itself. That happened because of the system we have. <laughs> That's exactly why we have a doctor shortage. Because the doctors don't want to be slaves. 
Jim Reed, Bob Metz, here on left, right, and center. Finally got a word in. We only have uh, about a minute and a half left. No way. And we've talked about we've talked about a variety of issues, but it seemed to have uh, focused back on the healthcare issue uh, at the end. And Bob, uh, I'll give you uh, forty-five seconds. Well, again, I think that to the greatest degree possible, doctors, nurses, if you want to talk about school boards, teachers, everyone should be independent and be their own boss and that the issue of poverty and inability to access services is a marginal issue that should be dealt with individual by individual not by taking over the so-called essential services that's the last thing you want to do is have the government take them over the most essential service by the way is the provision of our food and we don't ever want to see the government taking over the grocery store so you'll be standing in line for your loaf of bread like they did in the soviet union jim one of the one of the things that we have to look at is is what our quality of life is. We have just recently we've been rated by the United Nations as the third best country to live in in the world, and one of the reasons that we have that is we because we have um, a, a public publicly accessible healthcare system. We have publicly accessible education. We don't have a ghettoization in our healthcare or education system. Um, I'm not. I'm not proposing uh, that we hold a tag day for for doctors. That doctors are are somehow such a, a disenfranchised group, but but I th- I think that we have to look at some innovative innovative ways in order to keep the doctors that we're training in the province of Ontario keep them practicing in Ontario. And I think that's some of those things are starting to be started starting to be looked at. I'm 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 hopeful with with some of the things that come out of the Romanoff Commission on the future of healthcare and. Uh, um, the, I, I guess the, the debate is, isn't going to go away as long as the private sector sees that there's going to be a profit in the health care system. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Left, right, and center, always a, an interesting Thanks, conversation. Or, uh, I usually uh, don't structure it that much, and I just let the two guys go at it, and then it ends up usually being the best, the best way for the listeners. Uh, that's left, right, and center every Wednesday at 1030. And uh, next week, I don't know if you gentlemen are here next week, but someone's going to be here next week, and we'll continue the conversation there.